life on the road. It's these tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and these fights, cancel flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette. <laughs> Drunks in the front making out for your set And middle acts doing blow more missing merch And drive the rental car past another mega church And juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone One big law and order marathon Alright <laughs> I know there is a better way to do this But uh, this is the way I've been doing it And uh, that's how we're going to do it oh, You all don't right. look comfortable at all uh, it's great for the people. That, are they listening right now? Because we're driving through Long Beach <laughs> on uh, Shoreline Drive, right? Is that where we are? I think so. Across yeah. the street from the uh, beautiful uh, aquarium. I love that aquarium. I went there for the first time with my son. I oh, did really. Yeah, yeah, a couple of months ago. Which way am I going? Am I going left or right here? Uh, you're going to make a right on Ocean. All right, that's Ocean. Let's get over that lane. And you can basically take that all the way if you want. All the way to the 405. Uh, essentially, yeah, you can. Probably uh, the best way to do it. All right, and you can look on the monitor to see how uh, if you're going to speak louder or not. Okay, how will I know that? Oh, by the size of the volume of the yes amplitude of the waves. I guess is what I'm looking for there. Thank you, scientist turned comedian. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining the Road Stories podcast. I'm your host, Murray Valeriano, part of the All Things Comedy Network. We are coming to you from the road. Road stories from the road. Listeners say they love these, Tim. And literally from the road. We're yes. walking by, uh, we're actually on the road in uh, Long Beach, uh, Ocean Avenue. People with dogs walking by, some hipster dogs run across the street. Stupid haircut. Um, I kind of like it. He's wearing a silver. He's got a silver sort of <laughs> highlighted. Did I tell you my... So, I, uh, listeners, I apologize if I told this, but, you know, I was in the Middle East doing shows. Yeah. And I was in, I was on a huge base in Djibouti. And, oh. I, and I uh, and I saw, and it's a mixture. It's it's uh, Army, Navy, Air Force, CIA, FBI. It's yeah. a huge base. They just sunk something like five hundred million into it. So uh, we're going to be there for a while. But I noticed all these. Well, not all these. I noticed about ten dudes, kind of like with short hair on the sides, parted parted to the side. Yeah. Around some AC. Yeah. There you go. Um. You know, kind of long, pointy beards, and I thought to myself, "Oh, they're letting the hipster look into the military? <laughs> Are you kidding me?" And then, as I was talking to one of the higher ups, they're like, "Hey, do you see all those guys with the beards and the yeah? They're uh, they're growing those so they can fit in and do special up shit." Yeah, that's like, oh, oh, okay. And then the creepy part: the next day, I looked for them. Nobody were, was around. Oh they wow! <laughs> they were gone. So. They're probably wearing camos and hiding. Yeah, either they went home or they went to fit in and, uh, quote, shoot people in the face, which was my favorite quote (laughs) I got from special ops guys. Uh, Tim Lee joins me today. If you haven't read the uh, the description of the shows, it's Tim Lee. Uh, You guys know Tim. He's been on the show a bunch of times. I've talked about him a bunch of times. He's become a good friend. Very funny comedian. Thanks for joining me, Tim. No problem. Um, So what you guys don't realize is in addition... Uh, to being on the podcast, I'm also getting a sauna here in Murray's <laughs> sauna. <laughs> Murray's car as we come on down. I'm I'm getting I'm dressed up for the show because we're on our way to a good show. But uh, oh, awesome. Tim, Tim is uh, as you guys know is the scientist turned comedian. That's me. We will be doing the scientist turned comedian show. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, Hollywood. Uh, no, we're doing it tonight. Yeah, we're doing it tonight. We're yeah, doing it tonight. And uh, Tim is wearing a suit. And I brought a suit also. 
Oh, wow. I can't wait to see that. We are going to be the sharpest dressed comedians. You just can't look better than me. That's the rule. Oh, well, sorry. It's pretty hard to break that rule. <laughs> I, I broke it. Tom, put your microphones down. Oh, we're not allowed to talk whether there's cop? All right, microphone's back up. I don't know. I figure if you can't talk on your cell phone, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty good idea. You probably can't podcast while you're driving. Yeah, but you're going to uh, broadcast the podcast, so that should be proof enough that, uh, that you've done this, right? Well, I have to broadcast it first. Oh, I see. And this we can all, you know, this could all be bullshit. We could be in my studio. Nobody oh, that's that. true. They wouldn't know. Yeah. They wouldn't know, except for that detail that's hot. It's very hot in here. I know. Sorry about that. It's okay. Uh, the other thing you need to know about this car ride down is uh, Tim uses a screen. Is it a PowerPoint? Is that what you Yeah, I'm it? doing PowerPoint tonight. I'm doing the full science show. So he's got PowerPoint. He also has a nine-foot screen that has been living at my house for six fucking months. <laughs> <laughs> it's too big because I, I, yeah, I'm, big. <laughs> I'm moving. I'm in a one-bedroom apartment right now. And uh, so I stuck him with it after the last show. <laughs> and I guess I get it back today. Oh, yeah, you do. According to my wife, you definitely do. <laughs> and you didn't stick it with me after the show. You stuck it with me before the show. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I made... Good intentions paved the way to hell, Tim, I think is what we can learn from this. I... Uh-huh. All right, Tim and I, as y'all remember, uh, did a few shows up in Northern California a couple months ago. And I, I had to take my car because I was all over the place. Uh, Mill Valley, San Francisco, Sacramento... Yeah. a couple other places so I had to drive Tim was up there for two shows in San Francisco so he flew yeah and he was doing the scientist turned comedian show and had to bring the screen and his computer and maybe a nice guy said well there's no reason you should lug the screen up there for two days why I throw <laughs> it in the back of my car which you should have heard the back when I said that <laughs> uh, and I'll drive it up no problem. And you know what? I hopped on that opportunity once. <laughs> once I realized he did not know what he was getting into. <laughs> that, was, that was when I was like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll bring the screen right over. That screen is nine and a half fucking feet long. <laughs> it is separating Tim and I in the front seat of our car. It, it is. Goes all the way back. Mostly on my side. It makes a nice armrest. <laughs> it's relaxing. But, you know, it takes about five and a half hours to drive to San Francisco. So the screen kind of became my Wilson Castaway, you know, it's like, oh, screen, thank you for sharing my ride with me. And I was talking to him, which I'm heading back up in uh, to San Francisco in September for a few dates. So check out my website for those. I'm going back to the Throckmorton at the Valley and uh, a couple other places. There's a town called Roanoke or something like that. Rohort, I'm doing a casino for Casey Williams. Book me there, Casey. Uh, I will get that made right for the next podcast to advertise it. Um, KC, okay. KC. KC or KC, like K period C? Like KC and the Sunshine Band? That was K period C period and the Sunshine Band, right? Yes. This is KC as in uh, KC Stengel. C-A-S-E-Y? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's different. Was that a baseball or did I just make a sports reference? Uh, I guess so because I didn't understand it. Oh, all right. Maybe I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe I could uh, be getting my sports reference. Look at that. This the, is a you, beautiful drive. Oh my you think God. those are islands out there, but they're not. What those are is oil rigs, essentially. What? Yeah. They disguised as islands? Yep. They're, oil, they're just oil processing stuff out there. Long Beach is sitting on a sea of oil, whether or not anyone realizes it. But, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I got an interesting story. My great grandma apparently owned a house here in Long Beach. Uh huh. Um, I guess it was in the 40s, something like that, when they discovered oil. 
And so an oil company came to her, had to sign this contract so they could extract the oil underneath her uh, property. Sure. And she was ecstatic because uh, she thought she was going to get rich. <laughs> and uh, her first payment when they started extracting the oil was $25. Oh. She sent it to my dad because it was a lot of money back then. Sure, sure. And um, she's like, this is going to be coming at me every week. She never got another payment. That was the sum total oh, for no. all the oil really? under her property. It was 25 bucks. Uh, Look around Long Beach. Um, there's not a lot of nice stuff in Long Beach. Wow. And it was all, so there was should have been billions of dollars of oil money for sure. people. And uh, this should have been North Dakota by the sea. Basically, yeah. That's all and, nouveau riche money up there. Yeah, but it's not. It's not nice in Long Beach. It is not, actually. I mean, we're looking at uh, apartments across the street from the beach. Yeah. And they're not very nice. Um, and this is the nicest part of Long Beach. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, by far, yeah. So, well, isn't there, you're a scientist or were a scientist. Yeah. Don't you, when you buy, and I should have read my contract probably better when I bought my house, but when you buy property, you don't own, what is it, the geological rights? The mineral the, rights. The mineral rights? Yeah, you generally you do. All right, guys, sorry about that. I don't know where we left off. Um, you could have missed some really quality house, house buying talk <laughs> <laughs> and educations on FEMA. Uh-huh, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm sort of the technical guy for this. Too. Yeah, I you, would, you would have thought the scientists would be able to know how to use a fucking MacBook Pro. How often do you I use get, Unix. How often do you get those crappy jokes? Oh, you're a scientist? You're not too smart for a scientist. Is that even being recorded? Okay. Yeah, it is. See, I know that because I'm a scientist. <laughs> but do you get those like a lot? Oh, for a scientist, he certainly doesn't know this. No, no, because really? I, I know a lot. That's why. <laughs> I remember an interview. Uh, I read one of Conan's Conan O'Brien's uh, speeches he gave at Harvard. Yeah, because he's a Harvard graduate, and he's he's like, uh, you know, you'll always remember your days at Harvard because people will remind you once a day when you do something stupid. <laughs> oh, walked into a door, did you? Look who went to Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wondering That's if you true. got any of those being a being a scientist. My dad was an electrical engineer. My mom would always uh, sort of bust him up. If he was it's like, oh, look who's sticking the fork in the toaster, the electrical engineer. <laughs> I, uh, I've become quite the handyman around the house, fixing stuff. Oh, you yeah? have? Oh, okay. yeah. It's hard going, to believe. I've been going to the school of Google. So when something breaks, I just Google it and I fix it. Nine out of ten times I fix it. I was not able to fix the microwave. But uh, I will not mess with electricity, with electricity, I pass that off to somebody else. You know what? I've always it's always a good test. You want to know if you can work on it. Stick your tongue on the wires first, <laughs> and if there's any pain, then it pass it off. Hold on, let me write that down. <laughs> so already ten minutes. Ten into volts this, of DC won't hurt you. Ten minutes into this, we've already learned how to buy a house uh -huh. and learned how to deal uh, with electricity. Now, when you uh. How did you make the leap from stand-up to science? Because we never really talked about that. Well, I went the other way. I went from science to stand-up. What did uh, I say? Uh, stand-up to science. Oh, how did you make the leap from science to stand-up? I'm going to put this in my lap because you can't be trusted. All right. Okay, Tim is now driving. Oh, this seems like a good idea, doesn't it? <laughs> and I am... I don't know where... This seems like a great idea. Let's go to the guy who's never uh, has never done this before. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am so sorry for the technical problems we're having. Uh, this is this, that's what happens when uh, 
when we do the road stories podcast on the road. Um, yeah, I don't know why this is so hot. All right. Hey, guys. Sorry about that, man. Tech, you know, this is podcasting. It's still in its infancy of media. Uh, podcast, when did it start? 2015, 2014, something like <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, it's a year and a half ago. Yeah. It's been around. Um, we were just talking about how Tim went from science to comedy. We actually yeah. weren't talking about it yet, but we were just about to talk about it. Yeah, that's how it happened. It was basically a chain of bad decisions. That's okay. how you go, how anyone gets into comedy. Uh, you make a chain of bad decisions and you end up as a comedian. <laughs> do you think it? Do you think we just see great comedians on late night and then we think, oh, we'll do that and don't realize how horribly soul-crushing it is? Do you think that's what um, it is? I, you know, I really liked... For me, uh, I, I hated performing artists altogether all when I was... Um, probably all through grad school. I feel like performing artists were too sensitive, uh, too emotional, and really couldn't do anything. Right. Um, which is, having become a performing artist, I feel like it's a pretty accurate assessment now. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, when I would watch uh, Late Night, I noticed that the comedians were always pretty sharp. They seemed smart. Yeah. They had good answers um, to questions where actors just seemed kind of vacuous and uh unimpressive sure well i know now they're they're more empathetic than than logical and that's probably why they seemed vacuous to me right as to me i always uh emphasize logic over just feeling emotion yeah um but uh the comedians always seemed sharp so i, I thought if i ever tried anything in the performing arts i would try comedy uh-huh and also, it seemed very difficult. That was the one thing that comedy always seemed to me is very difficult. I like things that seem difficult. Or oh, really? Difficult. Yeah. You're one of those? I do, yeah. You know, it's, well, I do different, different things. I've been all over the world looking for waves. I wanted to find waves that no one else had ridden. It was very difficult, and I really enjoyed it. Waves, uh, surf waves. Surf Where waves. did you go that other people haven't gone? New Guinea. Oh, wow. Yeah, back in the 90s, I was exploring in New Guinea. Uh, found quite a few good waves over there. Really? Yeah. And just who'd you go with? Myself and some just local New guides. Guineans. Yep. Oh, all right. That's cool. Yeah, I spoke Indonesian, which they speak pretty well. And I speak Indonesian. Or you speak Indonesian? Yeah, I do. How uh, do you say uh, I drive like a grandmother? I drive like a grandmother. Yes. Saya mengestir seperti orang tua, which means like I drive like a. Old person, I guess. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Um, I have to say, we're just driving. This is my first real tour of Long Beach, and it's really cool. We're going past a marina. It looks a lot, a lot cleaner than uh, Marina Del Rey up by me. Marina Del Rey is just disgusting. The water's disgusting. Um, but the ships are nice. The boats are nice. These are called slips. I don't know if you know that or not. Oh, they are. They're called slips, huh? Slips. That's where you park your boat in a slip. It's also something a woman wears. A slip? Yeah. Oh, all right. It's also something you do with a banana peel, which I learned in cartoons. <laughs> Is that where you got most of your comedic timing and training from cartoons? <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. I uh, asked. No, it was my question. I wasn't saying you did. Um, no, I don't think so. Really? I, I think my love for comedy came from cartoons. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. Cartoons and the Dick Van Dyke Show. I can chalk it up, too, because that's all. When I lived in Indiana, I lived in a very small town, and uh, we only got four channels. One of them was from Chicago. The other three were, like, local 
not quite public access, but just local stations. Yeah. And they they only showed cartoons and old uh, old TV shows, and one of them was uh, the Dick Van Dyke Show. So I used to watch the Dick Van Dyke Show after school every day. Yeah, but that's not a cartoon. I said cartoons and the Dick Van Dyke Show. Oh, okay. And the Dick Van Dyke. But Dick Van Dyke. Show. Uh, was he a comedian? Was he stand-up? No, he was a uh, song and dance man, I think. But he was very funny. He was very funny, yeah. Actually, uh, Mary Tyler Moore started on that show, I believe. Right? Yes, exactly. He yeah. played his wife. Actually, I just heard that they were considering Dick Van Dyke for one of the original James Bonds. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because um, he doesn't strike me as a James Bond at no, all. No, I don't. Me neither. That's why uh, probably why I didn't get the gig. Yeah, I th- think you're correct. You know I think it would be a good James Bond? Fred McMurray. Uh, I didn't think he's alive. Well, I, <laughs> I don't mean now. I mean <laughs> back in the day. If you're going to yeah. go that route, if you're going to go the route of Dick Van Dyke, I would go uh, Fred McMurray. Now, yeah. all the young people are Googling who the hell Fred McMurray is. Uh, my Three Sons? Was that Fred McMurray? Or? Yeah, that was uh, My Three Sons. Okay. And an excellent, excellent movie uh, called The Apartment with Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. If you uh, get a chance, I highly recommend you Netflix it or find a blockbuster. What is Shirley MacLaine, remember she was a very spiritual like person? Is she still around? Oh, yeah, she's still around. I actually had dinner. With, I'm name-dropping now in my car. Uh, I had yeah. dinner with Shirley MacLaine one time. Well, you already dropped my name like seven or eight times, buddy. <laughs> I'm sure these people are f- impressed enough with that. You don't need to throw Shirley MacLaine in the mix. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to follow up the Tim Lee name drop, but I don't know what's going to happen. I had dinner with Shirley MacLaine at somebody's house, and she had a dog with her. And all night, I've been, li- like, eavesdropping. You know, there was about 10 of us. Yeah. So when she was talking, I was listening, even when she was talking to other people, because I wanted to hear her talk about her 19 past lives and ghosts and stuff like that. And all yeah. night, she didn't mention it all night, and I was so bummed. And then towards the end of the night, we're all sitting in the living room, and uh, we're eating uh, breakfast, uh, dessert. Brownies, by any chance? Uh, no, no brownies. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when she started seeing stuff. Right. Um, and she had her, she had a lap dog with her and I asked, you know, so, uh, how long have you had, how long have you had your lap? How long have you had your dog? Yeah. And she's like, well, I first met him in 19, you know, 103 or whatever. I was like, oh, here we go. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And she told the story of meeting him throughout past lives and the different incarnations they had. It was great. Oh, really? She... Met the dog? Was he a dog the entire time? She no, he was. They were both different incarnations of of, of beings, animals. I mean, oh uh, no, people, animals, uh, spirits, plants. At any point in time, I uh, don't recall plants. I don't what know if plants of, have I mean, souls. What kind, of an, what kind of animal besides a dog and a human being? Um, at one she point, been? she. I, I believe she said at one point she was a dog. Oh really? Yeah, and then it was more. So, now we're going back 15 years, so I barely remember the exa- the exact of the conversation. Usually, people just laugh when I say that, and then we move on. Yeah. I don't I don't get interrogated for well, details. It's fascinating to me because you know that I'm an online psychic as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, really, Brad Warcock. Oh, he's an online psychic. Yes, psychic. I, I thought he was just a uh, uh, advisor. He's a yo. He's a. <laughs> he is a psychic. Uh, big wave legend. Oh, he's a big wave legend. Yes, and <laughs> uh, yoga master. Oh, and a yoga master. Yeah, yeah, yoga master, psychic, 
Big Wave legend. And isn't he also a... Um, the world's most successful person. He's Brad Warcock. You can see him on Vine. Is that correct? Yeah. He gives out... He gives out great psychic advice, which I vibe into, you know, and uh, you guys should do it as well. Uh, off the top of your head, do you know what kind of, what, like, can you tell us one of his psychic advices would be? Well, um, one of the things that I thought was pretty awesome was uh, one time he said, I had a friend on Facebook who was making their life look a lot better on Facebook than it really was. Uh -huh. And you know what? Turns out to be true. What? Yes. Really? Someone oh my pretending God. their life was better on Facebook than it was in reality. Wow. He is that's a, the kind of insight you can't get from <laughs> most other psychics. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, I don't want to go down a Facebook uh, rant here, but oh my God, it is, for some reason, it is at the height of annoying Facebook these yeah, days. Yeah, it is. And it's, I only use it for promotion and jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. And the people use it for... I'm like, oh my god! People don't have a filter, man. Like now, they're they're talking put about a, a filter, like metaphorically. Or are we talking about the actual filter for the phot photographs? Oh my god! I fucking hate talking to scientists. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You literal people. You and my wife should get together and go bowling. <laughs> oh, my wife is so literal, and I use the word literal the right way, you as do, opposed yeah. to everybody on Facebook. Literally, I literally. Burned to a crisp yesterday. <laughs> it was so hot. I had to, I heard someone say you literally have to screw your head off. <laughs> and I was like, no, you don't literally screw your head off. I tweeted. Um, I tweeted, and I'm not the first to do this. And it's not about my tweet; it's about the follow up. I tweeted, yeah. "You're you are literally using the word literally wrong." <laughs> and. Um, Dave Anthony of Walking the Room and the Dollop podcast fame. I know you guys are fans of him. Wrote back. What is the what is the phrase? What is the word for when a word changes over time and begins to mean something else? Do you know what that is? I don't know what is that. Oh, and I'm drift? a scientist. Oh, Definition look drift. at me. Definition what? Drift. Drift. Maybe that makes sense. Anyway, he caught me shit on that. He gave me shit on that. What? What, what is it? I forget. I forget there's the name of it. Yeah, there's a word for it where over time... Like gay used to mean happy and now it means yeah, exactly. sexual orientation. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, because words do. They do mean... They're definition drifts. They're connotation drifts and they're denotation drifts sometimes. But I think connotation tends to drift more than denotation. And you're going to have to look up both those words, Murray. I'm going to have to look up connotation. <laughs> <laughs> and drift. Uh, how was it? I mean, when you... When you start doing stand-up, you don't get to do the glory gigs like we're doing tonight. You don't get the 500-seat theaters, the 2,000-seat theaters. You don't get the Friday, Saturday night at the Irvine Improv no, right no. off the right off the bat. How did how did scientist turn comedian work on the open mic early shit shows? How does anything work on the open mic? <laughs> it sucks, right? No one no one likes anything on the open mics. <laughs> uh, so you kind of. You know how comedy is. You you write a bunch of jokes, and then you do the ones that the audience agrees with you is funny. Right. I mean, I think pretty much everything I write is funny, but the audience doesn't think it's funny. <laughs> and so you have to throw out the stuff they don't like. Sounds like somebody needs to visit life coach Brad Warcock. <laughs> a lot of people would do a lot better if they listened more carefully to Brad. <laughs> now, but I mean, you have a whole PowerPoint presentation with slides and computers and, yeah, and stuff do. like that. I mean, did you, did you take that to open mics? 
Uh, no, I didn't start doing that until, uh, let me see, I'd been doing comedy for over a year, I think, before I started doing that. Someone had, uh, Drennan Davis, who's a comedian. Drennan Davis. Used to book a show in Palo Alto. Drennan Davis, Karen Kilgariff's partner? Yeah. Okay. You know, he does, uh, Excellent musical. Imagine, imaginary Radio. Yeah. Okay, and a good musical comedian, if I'm not mistaken. He is, yeah. He's very, very, very musical. Okay. And um, so he was booking a show in Palo Alto at a bar there called The Rosen Crown. And he would do these cartoons on the uh, projector and screen they had there. And so I was like, huh, I'm going to try. I had written some PowerPoint jokes when I was doing actual seminars. Uh, okay, sure. So I'm like, well, why don't I just sort of recycle those as a comedian? Right. Um, so I did. And uh, people liked it. I was very surprised. They really liked it. And I figured if it worked in a bar, it'd probably work even better at a club. <laughs> Where people are paying attention? Yeah. And so that's, you know, I began to sort of evolve the show, if you right. will. Yeah. And um, it just, you know, it, it, you find your audience. People that identify with science who like science and logic, they tend to like the show a lot. Sure. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about those crowds scientists turned comedian gets. I like them. You know, they're nerdy. I feel like nerds change the world. They're they're the people who come up with all the new stuff that we love. Sure. And I'm um, happy to entertain them. Now they're uh, generally pretty smart, so they remember more of your act. Okay. And other people do, which can be frustrating because you have to change. You have to write a lot. Oh no, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, I right. could never do science comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and they're sober most of the time. Oh, so whoa, this sounds remember, horrible. <laughs> they remember all of your acts. So you have to be, which is frustrating. Because you know at the clubs, people don't remember what you said 10 minutes later. So oh, of course. the same act every time you come through. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's nice. But you know what? They're, uh, I love nerds. Right. Well, yeah. So, um, and I hate the bastardization of the term nerds. Oh. Now, nerd has, you don't have to be smart to be a nerd anymore. Right. I, I don't know when that became a rule, but the, the, the best thing about being a nerd used to be that you had to be smart. Sure. Now it's like some Hollywood term for people who are obsessed with anything, right? Yeah. A porn nerd. No, you're not a porn nerd. You're a pervert. That's what you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> um, well, I actually had a guy on last week who was... who I. He was one of the original nerd comedians I saw yeah. way back in the day, and he was, and we talked about this last week, so forgive me, listeners. Uh, he was, he, ha he started the show at the Improv called the Intergalactic Defenders of Comedy, yeah. and he had a, he gave an award to Stan Lee, and most people didn't know who Stan Lee was, and, and stuff like didn't that. didn't know who Stan Lee was? Yeah. But then along, and I hate, and listen... Chris Hardwick is a very good friend of mine. I just yeah. talked to him the other day. He's getting married next week. Uh, I was going to ask him to do our show as a special guest, but he's getting married like, uh, that day. Yeah. Um, he really had a lot to do with the commercialization of nerds, I think. Don't you? Uh, I, I don't know who did it or whether it was just this thing that happened that it be sort of became cool to become a nerd when all these nerds became billionaires and everyone <laughs> wanted to. So then they're like, hey, I'm a nerd. Because I used to read comic books. Now everyone reads comic books when they're seven. Right. You know? um, yeah, who, was, who said, like, oh, yeah, you're not a nerd because you saw Star Wars. Everybody saw Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it's come down to. Everyone wants to be a nerd because it's 
drifted into this sort of coolness, which was the exact opposite of the definition of a nerd, right? Right. You were smart, but you got beat up. That was basically the idea of a nerd. <laughs> Listen, Star Wars is my absolute favorite movie of all time, and I am no, I am nowhere near a nerd. I can't even, I can't to even, me, I can't even pretend to be. Oh, I'm a surfing nerd. Yeah. You know what I mean? There I is can't. no such thing as a surfing nerd. Right. Surfing is too cool to have nerds around it. <laughs> you can enjoy surfing, you know, but uh, it's too cool of a sport and. Most surfers are dumb, let's face it. That's yeah, they're not really smart, what it no. comes down to. That's a hard, hard thing for me because I love surfing. I really do. It's, one of, it's probably the, my favorite thing to do besides comedy. I love it. I've traveled all over the world. I've been you know, all over Indonesia. I went through Sumatra before everyone had explored Sumatra. For it's my ways. favorite flavor of coffee. Yeah, they got great coffee there. Um, I was in Lampung down there in the South End, all the way to Aceh. You know, I had some great times looking for waves and, and, and surfing, but surfers are dumb. I mean, there's not a lot of conversation <laughs> you can have with surfers, and they're not even good about talking about surfing. No, so no. To, even like a pro surfer trying to explain how he does the move, you know, like, how'd you, how'd you get air? You just kind of, you know, you get some speed, and you go, Ugh! and just throw it up in the air. I'm like, no. I want to hear about hip rotation or where you put your shoulders into right, it, right. how you do the bottom turn. They can't even do that. I just hucked myself straight on. Yeah, you just kind of huck it in the air and I hope the wind <laughs> blows it to your feet, you know? IFC used to have a, a show, I think it was called Icons, where they would take two supposed icons and, from different worlds and put them together. Actually, yeah. Maya Angelou and Dave Chappelle were together. It was amazing. You have to see it. And she talks to him about why he shouldn't use the word nigger anymore. And yeah. Oh, it was so powerful. But then on one episode, they had Laird Hamilton, who was not only have the dumbness of a surfer, yeah. but the dumbness of a bodybuilder also. <laughs> <laughs> Add that together along with uh, uh, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Oh, uh, you know what? But Vedder is a surfer. Right? Yeah, he, but they put him together. Yeah. So he's as good of a singer as he is. He is not that good of a speaker. So putting these two together to talk <laughs> about deep things was I, hilarious. Oh, I would love to hear that. Oh, it was hilarious. I'd love to hear it. I'm a big Laird fan. I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he's you know, he is an icon. He's a big wave legend like Brad, Brad Warcock. <laughs> and I feel like um, Laird was one of these guys who had to make it outside of the pro tour, right? I mean, that was he, he got big just from big waves. That's Yeah, he was really the uh, pioneer of big wave surfing. I mean, of today's big wave surfing. Yeah, I mean, early surfing. on, yeah. especially toe-in surfing. And toe-in, for those of you guys who don't know, is when uh, they're being pulled into a jet ski. Being pulled into these big waves via a jet ski, um, which started in, what, the mid-90s, early 90s? Uh, I think it was mid '90s, yeah, early yeah. '90s, something like that. That he was started doing that out in Maui. Yeah, and um, now it's worldwide. Pretty much everyone. Now there's it. big wave contests and tow-in contests, yeah. and they're sponsored. And he makes a hundred million dollars a year. But he's dumb too, huh? I've never heard him talk. Well, but you take a look at him. He's gorgeous. Yeah, but I'm he's gorgeous. a surfer. I'm gorgeous, and I'm a surfer. I'm well, you're the exception to the rule. <laughs> And I'm humble on top of all that. <laughs> I'm just good looking. I'm not gorgeous. <laughs> so how was San Francisco starting out then, man? Because there are many, I've had many different uh, eras of San Francisco. From the golden days to the, there you couldn't find squat to you could make your living as an MC. 
Yeah, that was um, Le- Bubbles Brown used to talk about making your living as MC, and, and there were seven clubs, or five, I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. Maybe seven full-time clubs in San Francisco at one point in time. Now there's just the Punchline and Cobbs, and they're both owned by the same. They're both owned by Live Nation. Yeah. So there's really Thank one, you, Reagan. One uh, <laughs> company. Did, did Reagan own Live Nation? No. <laughs> Reagan... Uh, uh, deregulated. deregulated the uh, uh, corporation so they could own different media outlets. As it was a, the airlines he deregulated. I don't know. He deregulated. He was a big deregulator. He deregulated the airlines also. Um, but I did not know Live Nation. You know, owns a lot of stuff. Yeah. So they own both of the comedy outlets, the professional comedy outlets in San Francisco. So basically, you have one company to work for up there. But I do love. Uh, I do love when my my name is uh, put next to Live Nation. <laughs> Why? It just kind of, you know. Makes you feel big? Yeah, it makes you feel big. Yeah, it's kind of special. It makes you feel special. Yeah. I'm not gorgeous and a great surfer like you are. <laughs> I, need, I need stuff to make me feel special. Um, well, you know, I would refute that, except that I am gorgeous and a great surfer. So. <laughs> You're supposed to tell me I'm good looking. <laughs> so tell me about the legendary crow's nest yeah, in crow's Santa Cruz, <laughs> California. Crow's Nest, you know, I got I got taken uh, for a ride there because my first set ever, my first excuse me, paid set, your first paid set ever was at, at the Crow's Nest. At the Crow's it was Nest, twenty bucks or whatever okay. to host, and uh, which doesn't even pay for the gas from San Francisco and back probably. Well, that's about an hour. Yeah, it's about an hour down from San Francisco. Coast. It's a really nice drive down yeah. the Highway One from San Francisco to you go right by Mavericks and Half Moon Bay and all that other. What's stuff. Mavericks? Mavericks is a, a big wave spot. <laughs> it's a big wave spot. Yeah, it's right on the coast there. Um, and, you know, uh, you go by Onion Nuevo, which all the elephant seal rookeries out there. It's kind of a neat, neat, neat drive. It is a nice drive. It's a beautiful yeah. drive. It's Highway 1. Highway 1. But uh, then you get down there, and everyone's like, you know, the crow's nest can be rough, so be prepared. And I went there for my, you know, first set, and I did great. And so, of course, I wanted to go back. Right, right. Oh, the crow's nest is great. I love it. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what these people are talking about. And then your second set, you know, I hadn't dealt with a lot of hecklers. But what (laughs) I didn't realize was that, you know, the heckling team at the crow's nest is coordinated. It's like a pack of wolves. So they are there every week? Yeah, there's about three or four guys who come there and they spread out. And then one heckles you, and the other one cheers them on from across the room. So it looks like it's not all the same group of people. Oh, so they're like coyotes. Yeah, I said wolves, but why? why I don't coyotes. Because I don't know how wolves hunt, but coyotes hunt. You know, like they'll send one to flank right, and they'll send one to flank left, and they'll send one from behind, and they'll have one guy chase them. So whichever direction it goes, they have somebody there to get them. Are you sure you're not thinking of wolves? Are you sure you're not thinking of wolves there? I'm making all this up, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's some pretty, that's some pretty coordinated stuff. Like, uh, Roger, five over. I need you to go 15 degrees left. Hey, Coyote, two over here on the right. I'm going to chase him at about uh, 7 o'clock. <laughs> We're going to go. need f- you to intercept. I'm going to need you to flank four, four <laughs> clicks and do uh, Charlie. A couple of rabbits on your left flank. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they were coordinated, so they'd done this whole thing. And then at one point, uh, I said, well, I'm going to get off stage here. And then all of a sudden, they all started clapping. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I must have really done bad. And uh, I wasn't prepared for that at all. 
then I went back to talk to uh, another comic that night at the Punchline, or I guess it was Sunday night at the Punchline, and um, it was Matt Morales. He's like, how'd your set go at the? How'd your set go down in Santa Cruz? Crow's nest. And I was like, oh, uh, you know, it went all right. And, yeah, you don't want to tell people about your horrible sets. Like, right, right. It's like, I just had a horrible set there. In fact, when I said I'm about to get off stage, everyone started clapping. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what they do every week because ah. they know that, you know, that's what the comedian says and that's sure. what they told them. So then I felt a lot better. I was like, oh, it's just something they do. Now, have you ever found – I had a joke one time. I used to have a joke about how little money I made doing stand-up. Yeah. And uh, I stopped doing that when uh, I said, uh, you know, I only made $7,000 last year doing stand-up. And somebody went, it's because you suck. <laughs> <laughs> so that joke has never seen the light of day again. <laughs> That's funny. It's because you suck. I love it. <laughs> you, know, you just give them the perfect opening. Oh, totally. <laughs> just, just fucking lobbed it out there for him, man, and he knocked it out of the park. <laughs> and the best part, he was right. I was whiffing it that night, man. <laughs> you suck. I love it. Oh, the audience. <laughs> Did you ever stumble across any jokes like that where you're, you just realize, oh, I can't say that because... It opens the door to this. Yes, of course, yeah. I used to do, you know, some... When I was, when I was hosting, I'd always try and do crowd participation jokes. You know how hard it is to get the crowd going. Oh, sure. Yeah, so I'd do these crowd participation jokes. And then then I realized I couldn't shut up the crowd after a while. Right? Yo. You, you told them you wanted to respond to all your bits. Yeah. And then they just keep responding. You're like, hey, you know what? That, that part's over. Yeah, I mean, I always tell young MCs and MC Hammer and... <laughs> <laughs> Young MC, it's an old joke. I don't know anybody grew up in the 80s. Anyone? Bust a uh, Move? Yeah, Bust a Move. That's okay, it. That was his only hit, right? Yeah. He also had one Busted. called uh, Principal's Office, which was really good also. I think okay. I think Flea played on both of those. Um, don't open the door for audience. Flea from for Mavericks the, or Flea from? Flea, Flea, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. There's also a, a big wave legend. Named Flea. Flea yeah, who almost died of drug overdose a couple of years ago. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah, he got really, really into crystal meth. Yeah, and one thing you don't want to do, man, is do drugs and surf big waves. I guess not. I mean, that seems like a bad combination. Yeah, but yeah. He made it work, right? I mean, he well, he well, he started not showing up for contests and lost his ranking, and then I think yeah. he almost drowned before he cleaned himself up. Yeah. Anyway, I tell MCs don't open the door to getting a converse, to get a conversation going with the audience unless you can stop it. Yeah, that's good. It's a good idea. You know, because I didn't, I didn't know back then. I was just trying to get people. Uh, you're just trying to get them hyped up. Sure. Right? When you're hosting, and I found that most comedians don't take their job as a host very seriously. Right. They're happy to go up there, not warm up the audience, and get off stage. Sure. Which kind of drives me nuts because it's actually a, an important skill. You got to get the show going one way or the other. Well, I've, we've discussed this a million times on this show. Is is the. The MC spot, as it is in this country, is presented to the new comedians, and you work your way up to headliner, which is terrible. Yeah. You really need to work your way up to MC, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because it's the you need, spot. It's the hardest spot. You need, to, you need to know what you're doing. You can't stick. Like, I remember me and Dennis Blair, we always talk about this whenever I see him. 
we uh, did a gig together, and uh, they're like, "Hey, yeah, our, our busboy is starting stand-up, so we let him open. We let him open the show." And we're like, okay, great. And he comes in. He's like, hey, guys, I'm just going to do seven minutes up front, and then I'll bring you up. We're like, fine. He goes up there. He drops one joke. It bombs. He goes, well, fuck you. This is hard. You try and do it. <laughs> That's how Your next comedian coming to the stage. <laughs> That's how every comedian feels on the inside when a joke bombs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. But you don't really want to ever say that. People don't understand that right you know what i don't like when, there's a couple of things i don't like when comedians say yeah uh what else what else is going on you don't like when they say i don't that, like right? when they say that because that's what's they're just they're to me it says oh you're scheduled to do a half an hour but you don't have a half an hour of material and you're trying to uh, figure out what you're going to talk about next yeah that's probably true or they've forgotten what they were going to talk or about. they forgot what they're going to yeah. that and uh what's the other one Screw you, that joke's hilarious. Or screw you, that joke's great. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I say either one of those. I don't know. but uh, I'm talking to you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's some kind of subliminal message about my ass. Um, yeah, but there is, you know, we all have little pet peeves, I'm sure. Yeah, everyone's got some slop in their act. There's just no oh, way, yeah. you know, there's no way around it. But uh, yeah, people do that. Comedians have a lot of. Uh, I guess tricks for their their act. Yeah, uh, tricks are tricks a good word. I mean, there I I definitely have some tricks I use at certain clubs. How about yourself? Um, PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of crap for that. You actually. do? Yeah, you know it's a uh, it's an odd it's an odd thing, which I it's why I try not to do. I just do straight stand up if I'm going to perform in Los Angeles for the most part. Really? Because. Um, People don't get it. Yeah, uh, generally, if they're not someone who's been through a lot of presentations, uh-huh. um, to me it was a natural thing to do because I had to sit through so many boring talks in grad school Sure, that sort of a parody of a college PowerPoint presentation uh, to me was just natural and funny. Right. But if they haven't been through that, they're like, what, what are you doing? So you have this giant prop up on stage and you're talking yeah. about you know, molecular bonding. Why? Uh, why? And so that's that the makes sense. Take. Well, that brings that makes me uh, brings me to my next question. Have you ever? Let's say, how long does your PowerPoint usually last? What do you do? Forty uh, five with it? Forty five minutes? Yeah. Because you usually o- usually open the show with jokes, right? Before you break out the PowerPoint. Yeah, I makes it. I go back and forth okay. quite a bit. About you know seven minutes a pop of each. Yeah. But once you do the PowerPoint, people people forget that you've just whatever stand-up you've done they forget about it so you can do your opening seven minutes again well, no i <laughs> <laughs> like that but that's what sticks in their head oh sure it's it, because um you know either they love it or they hate it and it's different so if it's different you hate it you remember it if it's different you love it you remember it sort of overshadows anything else you do right uh, I've only seen you do it a couple times and I think I've only seen you do truncated sets of it so you come out you do about eight minutes up front of straight stand-up then you bust out the PowerPoint yeah with a seamless transition it's not like hey now I'm gonna do PowerPoint yeah uh, is that how it is that just how it goes in your regular headlining sets or pretty much yeah I like to make because you know first of all if you do 45 minutes of PowerPoint people start to treat treat it like a real seminar after a while you start taking notes 
Yeah, they really do. It's like, uh, like, no, guys, you have to remember. It's All right. Will this be on the quiz? Will this be on the test, Mr. Lee? Yeah. So I try and go back and forth, talk about different things. Okay, that makes sense. Because my next question is, have you ever been like halfway through the PowerPoint and it's not working and you're stuck there? Yeah, all the time. Really? Uh, not all the time, but it happens. <laughs> That's a ter- terrible salesman <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> but it happens. You know, generally, either people prefer the stand-up or they prefer the PowerPoint. They don't want you to go back to doing the other one. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So if, if they've never seen... I find I do really well in theaters where people... Uh, have come out to a show and they don't know I'm going to do the PowerPoint. That they really like. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, or uh, if they've come to see me, you know, knowing I'm going to do the PowerPoint, sometimes they're, they expect it and it's not a surprise. And uh-huh. um, sometimes they're disappointed. I don't know. But, um, you know, not everybody likes everything. It's a joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody so. said on this, power, on this uh, podcast one time, there is no comedian or band that is everybody's favorite comedian or band. You'll never, that is true. You'll, never, you'll find people who don't like the Beatles. That is true, but there's much more agreement with music than there is with comedy. I feel like comedy is much more personal. Yeah, sure, of yeah. course. Um, and uh, jokes just don't, don't pitch a wide as net as, as music does. Right. I, on the I, myself, enjoy the PowerPoint that you do. I like that stuff. Um, Jimmy Dore, do you know Jimmy Dore? He's yeah. a Chicago comic. He used to do, I want to say it was called Pop and Politics, and he would... Yeah, he would do a PowerPoint. It, it was kind yeah. of a PowerPoint, but it was more like screen captures from CNN and, and yeah. video clips from uh, Fox News. I love that. I love that stuff. I saw a guy, I can't stand this guy, he's a terrible comedian. And he's so pompous and arrogant. I won't say his name, but he did this thing on uh, street signs he had seen around town, and oh, it was yeah. it was hilarious. Yeah, it was the only funny thing he did in this whole hour, <laughs> besides fucking tank, and then have the other three comics in the back of us going, "How come we're not headlining?" Yeah. Anyway, um, what? Now this is your first time doing road stories on the road. Actually, on the road, yes. yes. Last time I did it in your house, I think. Yes. Uh, Feel like Valeri- I got demoted to having to do it while we're moving. <laughs> <In your car. laughs> Next time we're doing it on the curb. Yeah. Um, what we do is we talk about the gig we're about to do, and then on the way home, unless we, I really fucked up the sound, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about how it went on the way back. So tell okay. us tell us what we can expect from the gig tonight. Uh, so tonight's a theater gig in San Clemente. So I'll be doing the I'll be doing uh, both the stand up and the PowerPoint. So it's you know borders on closer to a one man show. Okay. Uh, which I think. Uh, people enjoy in the the theater uh, environment. Sure. Yeah, and um, we'll see how it goes. You know, uh, seven o'clock show basically sold out. And the nine o'clock still has. Oh, we're doing two shows tonight. Yeah, we're doing two shows. Oh, know? awesome. Yeah. Uh, so that tells me that the responsible people all bought their tickets ahead of time and are coming to the seven o'clock show. <laughs> so we'll, and the nine o'clock show, the people who generally decide to come last minute or don't show up sure. at all so we'll see how the nine o'clock show goes all right but, um, we're looking at a pretty nerd nerdy crowd then yeah generally anytime i do the scientist turned comedian show turns off anyone who's not a nerd okay right? I mean, basically <laughs> you know you're not gonna get a bachelor party coming hey let's go see scientists <laughs> we either go to a strip bar or go <laughs> see the scientist turned comedian what do you guys want to do 
We'll use our penis straws and he can point out the vas deferens. <laughs> um, all right. And then I'll be opening the show. You will be. You'll be middling. Oh, right? middling? Yeah. There's an MC? I got an MC, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, thank God, because I can't open a show to save my life. <laughs> oh. Why do you think I got the MC? <laughs> I used to be, I, and I don't want to pat myself on the back, I used to be a really good MC. It's and, hard. People don't realize how hard it is. And I, then I used to get stuck booked as, MC? as an MC. So I had to put my, I had to, we've talked, I've had to, I was talking about this somebody the other day. You have to tell a club. I was talking with Graham Elwood. Yeah. You have to tell a club, A, I no longer want to MC or B, I no longer want a middle. I only want a headline. Yeah. And you run the risk of never working that club again. Well, you think you had it bad. I, I mean, I work clean. I've always worked clean. And so they always want me to open the show. Sure. Because the audience is not ready for dirty material when the first guy goes up, right? You have to sort of warm them up right. before they go that. And so you make the ideal opener that way. And no one, they're always looking for someone who can do that. Yeah. And so it's basically a curse. You, you have to basically force your way out of that position because people will constantly call you. We need someone to open the show. Oh, yeah. And other comics. Yeah, I yeah, know. And, um, you know, I had to basically start doing my own shows where I was a headliner in order to get out of that position. And you've been very successful at that, man. Doing your own shows outside of clubs, promoting them yourself. Yeah, you know, it's like running your own business. Basically, is what happened is because I was stuck in the MC role over and over again. Right. Um, and I really couldn't, you can't do, I couldn't do my full act with the PowerPoint as an MC. You don't want to do that. That's weird. Just come up and you do warm up. Um, and. So I think I actually got kicked out of the punchline, if I'm not mistaken. I had done something that got me kicked out for a year or so. I was like, uh -huh. well, uh, I, I you told me that story. You don't have to tell it here. Yeah, okay. Um, and so it was nothing illegal, folks. It was <laughs> <laughs> prostitution ring. <laughs> I was turning tricks in the bathroom. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's illegal in San Francisco. Um, no, I'd done something, and they... So I decided, well, I got to do something. So I started uh, promoting and booking my own shows around San Francisco, and I found out people would show up. You know, they'll yeah. pay, and um, then you start making money. And once I started doing well around San Francisco, the, you know, the punchline invites you back because they want the business. Sure. So I, then I went to the punchline, I sold it out, and I was like, hmm. Well, if I could do this in more places, I can quit my job and be a comedian. So it's basically what I did. Right. You have to start promoting it around the country. And I have to say, I have learned with my comics on Safari Tour, I've learned so much from you about promoting and you know, stuff. It's, it's a tough job. It is. It really is. Everyone thinks people are going to come to your show because you're funny. But well, oh, geez. they're not. Right. Sorry, we just got cut off uh, majorly. It was a Kia Rio or something like that. Right. I just gave him the single finger. Yeah. Single, fig single finger salute. Uh, yeah, they're not just going to come out because you're funny. And because, uh, first of all, they don't know if you're funny or not. Right. And everyone, they've seen a thousand advertisements for shows that says, hey, come this, come out, this guy's funny. And then they show up once and they don't like it. And they're like, hey, I guess there's no way. I'm not going to any other show just because it says this guy's funny. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Stand-up stinks. This guy's terrible. Yeah. I'm never going to. That isn't. You don't go to a movie and see a crappy movie and say, I'm never going to the movies again. No, but it's, it is strange because... There's a very high percentage of stand-up that you're not going to like. Yeah. I mean, any a good individual point. person is not going to like 80 to 90% of the stand-up they see. So just going to something, a stand-up show, thinking you're going to think it's funny, 
it's actually a pretty bad bet. <laughs> so you have to find someone that you like their stand-up and then go to their show. Yeah. And how do you do that? That's the, that's the how do you convince someone that they're going to identify with your stand-up, find it funny, and and it's worth coming to your show? That's actually very tricky. Yeah, makes sense. Well, um, this wraps up part one of the road stories on the road to San Clemente with Tim Lee and Murray Valeriano. Um, I'm not really sure how the beginning of this. I have to go back and listen to it and fix the audio in the beginning. But if it's not too fucked up, uh, we will see you guys uh, after two shows at the Cabrillo Playhouse tonight. Um, if, for some reason, um, the audio... I mean, we're not going to be able to do the wrap-up on the way home. Uh, Tim, where can we find you? Uh, uh, next, I'm going to be with the very funny Murray Valeriano at the what? Hollywood Improv. When is that? <laughs> That is August 19th, Friday. It's actually his birthday show. Yeah, I didn't really promote that part too much. Oh, you didn't? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's not aging, but it is a birthday. Yeah, Yeah. my birthday's actually the 18th on Thursday is my birthday. Yeah, okay. So uh, that'll be special. And then after that, I think I'm doing the Irvine Improv as a nerd night. Oh, right. I've been wanting to... What's his name? Whose name? The, the, The guy who does nerd the nerd night shows. Don McMillan? Yeah, I've been trying to get him on the show, man, and he's so busy. I should call him this week, see if I can get him on. Get him on. Yeah, he's great. He can come down to the Nerd Night. Speaking of which, we're passing the Irvine Improv as we speak. We are, yeah. There it is. That's it, right over there. What is that mall called? Uh, Irvine Spectrum. Irvine Spectrum, yes. It is. um, All right, and then your scientistturncomedian.com, is that right? Or is it Tim Lee? Yeah, you can get my schedule there. Check it out. You want to check out my life coach? I'm giving him a plug right now, Brad Warcock. How is is he doing all right these days? Uh, he has transformed my life. And oh, I'll great! Transform your life. Check him out. You can YouTube.com Brad Warcock. Excellent. Did we get on the right exit? Did we get off the right exit? Uh, we did. We'll get on five south here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's interesting. I don't know why we're doing that. All right, guys. Um, we will see you as soon as I say goodbye. I'll start this off. Good shows. Yeah, it was fun. Fun couple of shows, huh? I uh, yes, they were good shows. First one was sold out. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Again, I don't know how the sound is on this. Is going to be on on the second one. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to fix it and post if it's not. Hey, but this is probably the first time we've used one of these microphones at the show and then used it to record the podcast. Right oh, that's after. true. The yeah. microphone in the theater was a little shoddy. But the Murr always comes prepared. He does. He They're brings right. high tech expertise. High-tech uh, podcast microphones um, to the uh, Cabrillo Playhouse. That's right. You're like the gadget guy from the A-Team. Who was that? Was it Murdoch? Was the gadget guy? I don't remember. Yeah, I guess Mur- Murdoch was the crazy one. Was he the guy? Was there a gadget guy on the A-Team? Yeah, I think one of them was the gadget guy. Yeah. Well, hold on. It was Face. There was Face, the good-looking guy, Mr. T. Mr. T was the muscle. Uh-huh. Uh, Face was a good-looking guy. The guy. Uh, he was sort of the team leader. Yeah. I think Murdoch was the gadget guy, right? Oh, all right. I th- oh he was crazy and gadget? I think so. I mean, I don't. Pretty, it did pretty well. I don't know why they couldn't hire another actor to play gadget <laughs> guy. It, it looked like it turned some money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, uh, what do you think of the shows tonight? I enjoyed it, man. It was, it was good. You know, there. I, I like it anytime people come out and listen because they all came out to see Tim Lee. Yeah, that makes it even better. That means they have good taste. <laughs> <laughs> It's not uh, like when you're doing some comedy show where they just come out to get hammered. Right, right. That's true. You know, there was a little filth- drinking tonight, but very little. You're yeah. not allowed any booze in the bar, and they gave complimentary wine. Yeah, you're not allowed any 
A booze in a theater. Theater, sorry. that's right. Sorry. Oh, was complimentary wine out on the patio? I think so. Oh, man, I would have had some. Oh, well, I'm sure you could have had some. You're the star of the show. Yeah, after the show. You can't. Uh, I guess we're driving right now, so I can't do it. Couldn't have done it anyway. Yeah. Um, first show sold out. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's the first time I've done that theater, too. So it was, you know, fun to have people show up. You never know. Right. You, you know how it is when you go to a new town for the first time. Uh, um, very old early crowd. Yeah, you know what? That's the, that's the early crowd is usually older, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I well, mean, we did start at 7, so that's... Yeah. The 7 o'clock show is the gray hair show, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I can't say that. I have gray hair. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... I do too. So okay. yeah, but they were still fun. They were good. They got a little tight when you started. When you got when I got a little political and religious, but that's fine. Yeah, that's ex- to be expected in Orange County. Yep. And then the second show, m- a little lighter, much more fun, much more energetic, much more into it. Yeah, because they're up up late partying, right? Yeah, I mean, they're they're the younger crowd. It was yeah. a lot of fun. It was weird in the first show because it's a theater and the audience is a theater going audience. Yes, they are. So they don't know how to Respond. communicate yeah. if you talk to them. And so I'd ask them a few questions, and I wouldn't get anything. And then somebody would answer. And then they're like, oh, we can talk? And then they'd talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't talk back. <laughs> but you got to train a crowd. you got to train a crowd. All right. So yeah, the theater-going crowd, they're, they're, they're used to that, what do they call it, the fourth wall? The fourth or, wall, sure. Yeah. So it is a little strange. The worst I ever had was in Edinburgh. Actually, oh, really? believe it or not, they would. I would ask them direct questions, and no one would say anything. They'd just stare back at me. And I was uh, maybe it was a cultural thing, but I was like, man, I was. I'd never had a crowd. I'm like, uh, you know, are you from out of town? Just talking to one individual, and no answer. Like, maybe it's your accent. Uh, maybe it was. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I've had called a- Edinburgh. Edinburgh every time I've talked about it. Oh, uh, have you really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they love that. <laughs> it just makes me uh, look as stupid as I am. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. And anybody here from Edinburgh? Edinburgh, oh, yeah. that I know a couple of people who go there every year. That's a tough... That's a tough place, isn't it? It's a tough gig. You know, I think I ended up doing like 60 shows in 30 days, oh something like God. that. And then you have to go out every night to... Uh, the, your production company has these parties, right? That everyone goes to, and that's where you kind of just kind of hang out, talk to people, and you know, sort of convince other people to come to your show. Okay. So you pretty much have to go out and do that. Right. Yeah. And they were having mojitos every night. So. And how many shows are you up against? You know, there are so many shows in Edinburgh. I would say ten, ten thousand maybe. Jeez. Something like that. This is certainly in the thousands, um, but the whole town basically becomes. This theater festival, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Right. And it's pretty neat. You know, I mean, I think it normally has a population of like 500,000 and it's almost close to a million or something when the festival is going on. All right. So So you got an audience out there. Oh, yeah. The average attendance, I think, at an Edinburgh show is three people. Oh, geez. Three people. So there's certain shows that have big stars that. You know, there's 5,000 people show up to. Sure. So there's just a ton of shows that don't get anyone to go to them. And so you really have, that's the struggle, is to get someone to come to your show. Right. And uh, I actually did pretty well with that. You're one of the few people who made money there, aren't you? Yeah, I did make money at Edinburgh. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I would never go there with the expectation to make money. I didn't realize until after I had done it how difficult it is to get people to come to your show. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I had good attendance. I was with a good production company, and um, it was the assembly. All right. And uh, I, you know, I was on kind of early, which I wasn't really, I think it was on at five or something uh-huh. like that, but people came. So, right. you know, it was, it was exciting, and Edinburgh's a beautiful town. Sure. It's got a, both a castle and a palace. Which I didn't know until I went there. There was any difference between those two. <laughs> I've talked to comedians who've gone over there and have just gone to bars, and be like, "Hey, we'll do a show here tonight," and they're like, "Okay," and they just do a stand-up show there in a bar. Yeah, well, you can do it wherever you want. The problem is, is anyone going to listen? That's the. Well, yeah, and then then you got to fight a bunch of Edinburghians, how oh, you yeah. know, drunk, and apparently. Heckling over there is like an Olympic event. I found that that that, that actually during the festival there were so many people from out of town that the things that that really got people going were the things that everyone could understand, which is like physical humor. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So there's a ton of mime, but it's not called mime. It's like you know the boy with the tape on his face. It's like disguised (laughs) as something else. Right. And they're cool shows. I mean, I went to see that show. It was actually a really cool show. But it's like trying to get everyone together on one thing. You know, they're from all these different European countries. And one thing that people can kind of understand is physical humor. Sure. And you don't need to understand the words to get to it. And so the, um, the mime shows, which were never called mime shows, did very well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. My buddy ran a youth hostel. Oh, my God. I couldn't think of a worse job. Or not a youth hostel, just a hostel. Not a youth yeah. hostel, but just a hostel. And they would have movie night, and they would show the same movie. And I, for, I forget what it was, it was about. Ca- oh, Caveman. It was Caveman. Because okay. there was no talking in it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so it. Everybody could everybody could enjoy the movie. That's that's basically the international language, right? It's physical humor. Yeah, that's yeah. Why early, that's why early comedy was, you know, people doing pratfalls and... Uh, you know, cars falling apart as you're driving them. It's like sure. stuff that everyone could understand when it had to reach a very broad, the broadest audience. That's why YouTube is so popular right now, because it's live action Three Stooges. It's actually you know Three Stooges. A guy hits, you know, Mo hits Curly in the head with a hammer. Yeah, you're actually seeing somebody getting hit in the head with a hammer on YouTube now. I haven't never seen that, but I didn't know that was. But possible. you know what I mean? It's guys. Yeah. It's it's guys getting kicked in the nuts. It's, yeah. Is the that's why YouTube is uh, so popular right now? A theory on yeah. comedy that I uh, I ran across, which I kind of agree with. I think those you're right. New sort of venues start as very broad, and then they narrow down um, as they mature, right? Yeah. So, all right. Real quick, one last question before we wrap things up. Yeah. Uh, what do you prefer, a comedy club or a theater? I prefer theaters. Yeah. Because um, the sobriety thing, people are. are are less hammered, sure. makes them makes it harder to get them to laugh, but they're they're not out of control. Like uh, I don't want to name clubs, but I did a club last year where we had literally seven different people vomit during the show. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy cow! That's, that's a, a that's a that's a rarity though. It is a rarity. There like, must be like bad think, food or something like that. But I can't think of a show where somebody puked during my show. Oh really? And I've, I've had, been doing this for a while. Yeah, I've had it happen at a few clubs. That's huh. what, and I that don't. is the crow's nest in Santa Cruz. It's <laughs> <laughs> a callback to earlier. They get it because it was only 15 minutes ago to them. It was four hours ago to uh, you yeah, and I. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never had that. I I don't know. I think I like comedy clubs, man. I just that's 
that's what I grow like when I was watching com- stand up when I was a kid in high school the comedians were working comedy clubs and that's what I always kind of pictured yeah, you know what I think because you also like to, you like to interact with the audience, and they're more interactive at a, a comedy club, right? I don't like to, but I do sometimes. Yeah. I try not to do it anymore. I used to do it at all. Yeah, but I like to riff. That's that's definitely fun. Yeah, but I like I like the club atmosphere. You know, it's it's every once in a while I'll I'll, I'll get to Vegas and I'll walk into a casino and I'll smell the smoke and I'll be like, ah, comedy. And then yeah. five minutes later, I'm like, wow, comedy's disgusting. It, it smells like an ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love a low ceiling, dark tables, drinks, yeah. you know, that kind of that kind of vibe. Of course, it can go wrong and there can be seven people puking in your show, but but that's what I prefer. Although I do like a theater crowd also. Depends and on what I'm doing. I, I just like people who sit down, pay attention and laugh if it's funny and don't laugh if it's not funny. That's my number one thing. And because, uh, you know, when you start off, which I always remember, like the open mics, like the the audience there is useless, right? Yeah. I mean, they you can tell the funniest joke, no one's going to do anything because they all want to be on stage telling their jokes. Yeah, you're performing to like seven other comics who are bitter because they've had a shitty set or whatever, you know. And uh, so I do remember the first time I got to go up in front of a real audience and they were actually listening. It, it just makes a huge difference. Sure. And well, I always tell any new comic who emails me or. or ask me after show um, I'd say you know what can I do I say just get a stage as much as you can go to as many open mics as you can but don't you're not at an open mic for them you're at an open mic for yourself don't worry about making the audience laugh at an open mic because it's all comics waiting to go up yeah word it yourself work on wording your jokes and finding and making them funny for yourself and yeah. then taking them out and then you too can play the Cabrillo Playhouse <laughs> in San Clemente. In San Clemente, California. Right, by the way, we didn't even mention this. A hop, skip, and a jump from Tim and I's favorite surf spot, Trestles. Yeah, that's nice. <coughs> Where Comics on Safari go every time we uh, we play San Diego. Yeah, we got to do that theater with Comics on Safari. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll yeah. uh, hook up with that guy. All right, dude. Well, first of all, thank you for having me uh, on the show tonight My pleasure. i appreciate it it's been fun you and i for some reason have been working a lot together lately yeah you know it's, uh we seem to do well together so that's yeah i think fun. so i think so um so you got all the tim lee's uh plugs in the uh in the first half of the show so um and i will drop in a bro- all right cool so that's it tim lee thank you so much for having me on your show and thank you for doing road stories podcast on the road again Happy to be here. All right. Thanks, guys. At Marie V on Twitter. Uh, thanks for listening. You want to know about life on the road? It's booze, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns. And these fights, cancel flights, running with the runs. And blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette. <laughs> Drunks in the front, making out for your set. And middle acts doing blow more missing merch. And drive the rental car past another mega church. And juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone. One big law and order marathon. Oh